On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent, what's going on, man? Eric, I got back. I was three days in New York City uh, last week, which was awesome. I have not been back there. My last trip to New York was January of 2020. And used wow. to go back quite a bit, as I think you know, and, and probably some of the listeners do. I lived there for about 10 years, yeah. and uh, it was just awesome to get back. It's some, there's something about New York City. I'm, I'm, I love Arizona. I love being here in Arizona, but there's something about the city that just um, it charges you up, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So I had a blast. I had a really phenomenal time last week. Well, one of these times, you and I are going to talk off air about planning a trip while you're there, when you have a day or two that you can yes. spend, because I've never been to New York. Well, Isn't I think I'm going to start heading. Yeah, right? it is. You definitely got to get there. And I think it's Bad something thing. that uh, I want to start heading back more because I do think it's almost like getting an energetic infusion when you get yeah. when you get back into that place and it gets you fired up for kind of everything else happening. Yeah, I'd love to see the stomping grounds and, and uh, you can take me to the best pizza places, right? Absolutely. We oh, can help you there. Lord. All right. <laughs> sure. Sounds good. Now, you have a guest on the show today, and uh, he's a good-looking dude, I'm telling you. And if uh, the two of you are on side-by-side, side, hopefully this video will make it to the, the internet, interweb sometime, and, and the audience yep. can see it too. What are you guys talking about today, and who'd you bring on? I got Lou Diamond on. And Lou, you know, we've, we're very fortunate in terms of some of the people we've already had join our podcast. Mm -hmm. And Lou is another guy. Lou is a master connector. He's a best-selling author. He wrote the book, The Mas Master the Art of Connecting. Uh, he's also the CEO of Thrive, which is a company focused on helping brands connect with their clients. And I think wow. that any of us that are business owners, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're selling a product, a service, you might believe in the product, but you've got to find a way to connect that vision, connect that uh, the, the the usefulness, I guess, of what it is you're doing with your, with your customers. And that's mm -hmm. what Lou does. He's also a keynote speaker. Gets in with very large organizations and uh, basically teaches them how to how to connect with with their client base. And uh, I'm really excited to have him on. So, Lou, thank you so much for carving some time out of your afternoon and joining us. Brent, truly a pleasure to be here. Uh, the fact that Alec has Eric hasn't ever been to New York is is amazing. Tragic. Even, even more amazing <laughs> or more ridiculously tragic is that you were just here and you didn't come by to say hi because I'm just I know in New York. You should have called me up. We, I would have taken you to the best pizza place, and that would have required a trip to Brooklyn. I'm just saying. So, it, yeah, I think you're right on that. I think you're right on that. <laughs> so, so Lou, did I leave anything out here? Is there anything else you want to share about your background? How you got? Well, let me start with this. Give me an idea with how you got into into Thrive Loud and and what yeah. exactly you guys are doing. Rewinding back, I love telling people that I was put on this planet to work with the most amazing businesses, leaders, and brands, and help them thrive through the power of connecting. And what does that really mean? I'll work with salespeople to help them better connect to their customers, marketers to better connect their message to their audience and leaders to better connect to their people. Because when we understand what you need to do and how you need to be, to be a better connector and connect in all those different aspects of business, you'll connect, engage, and win with every conversation and truly thrive. That all started from a whole career of, I worked in professional consulting for many, many years. Let's just call it the early nineties. Just we'll date myself as we figure all this out in companies like Accenture and Deloitte. 
I then ended up uh, helping to work for a new startup internet company when this whole thing, the internet came out and we started building some of the first websites and a lot of them were in financial services. And that kind of brought me into the Wall Street world. And in 2002, I ended up working for a company called Merrill Lynch and worked there when it became Bank of America Merrill Lynch in 2008. And oh, you were there for that. <laughs> I was there all the way till 2014. Yeah. And, uh, Really loved it, enjoyed it, and realized uh, at that point, I had a very unique way of working with clients in, in from a sales and relationship point of view that was a little different from the way that maybe people had traditionally been told to sell or market or be an account manager or in any of those roles. And I realized there was something unique about the way that I presented, messaged, connected with people. And I felt that that skill was something that can be used in all those three walks of life, sales, marketing, and leadership. And that led me to leave Wall Street, start my own company called Thrive. And Thrive is very much focused on trying to help people at the root of all of it have better conversations at that level with all those different organizations. Brent, the reason we do that is because we decoded, and I just really decoded it very recently. I'll tell you what else I'm working on, which is right here, my new book, which is called Speak Easy, Connect With Every Conversation. We learn that conversations is the epicenter of every point of every connection we've ever made in our lives. Think about it. Think about every client you have as a financial planner for those you work with. Think about all those people you've made relationships with in your life. It all started with a conversation at one point or another. Yet we all know that not every conversation leads to a good connection. Sometimes the conversation to pitch your business doesn't lead to the sale. Sometimes it doesn't lead to a second date. Sometimes a conversation you know, to your child to tell them to clean your room doesn't seem to resonate or connect so that you could actually get that thing done. So what I realized is that that's where the connections begin and sometimes we fail. But what if every conversation we had led to a great connection? What if all the lessons that I've learned in helping people connect can be combined into a really helpful guidebook? and helping to navigate the conversations. And by the way, in the seat that you're sitting in, I've been sitting in for a very long time, hosting a very popular podcast called Thrive Loud, having really great conversations, connecting those that are thriving in their lives or businesses and their passions, and trying to decode how they have conversations with people. What do they do? How are they in the way they are each day so they can move onward and upward in what they do in their lives? And when you piece all of that together, I've come up with different methodologies on how to help people do this better so they can be better connectors in their lives and their businesses so they can connect, engage, and win every day. So what is it? And I've always found this interesting. You know, there's some people you sit down with and immediate rapport. And everyone's had this experience, whether they're, they're outgoing or they're not, uh, they're shy or they're not. What is what is the genesis of that connection? or what, what's, what does, what's at the bottom of that? And does that happen? I mean, it obviously some people are much better at it than others, so it's not totally accidental. But those, what are the core things that tend to occur when you immediately gel with somebody when you're sitting down with them? So I, it's a routine that I do every single time I engage in a conversation. I did it right before we hit record and jump into this room right here. I did it before I was on the show that I was on before your program or the one that I hosted on my own show. I was on a client call earlier in the day. I did the exact same thing. There's a routine that I actually do, which steps in to how you need to be in that conversation. There's a certain way. It has nothing that you need to say or talk about. There's nothing you need to do or tell everyone about in a conversation that gets you to connect with them and gel really quickly. If you think about it, it's it's what you bring to the table in that conversation, the way you are in that moment. 
is you make yourself more likable, more connectable, more gelable, using your word. And the way I do it is I have a five-step way to do it, which is a good little trick, which is something we talk about in Speakeasy. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it, yeah. <laughs> I call it connect your voice, V-O-I-C-E. So what I do before every conversation is I visualize how I think that conversation might go. In this particular case, it's really straightforward. You're interviewing me in this conversation, Brent, and you're asking me questions. So you're like asking the question, but I'm here to provide your listeners with the lessons and how they can connect better and how that can help improve their lives so they can thrive. That's what I do, whatever aspect of their business or whatever they're doing. So I visualize how that's going to go. The O is that I appreciate the opportunity to even have a conversation. I come in genuinely appreciative just to be in the room with someone to talk to someone because Brent, I believe every conversation is a gift. Any chance your client calls you up to ask them about planning their certain financial situation or someone comes in with an opportunity to, to pitch their services. If, if you come in with a sense of appreciation, hey, I'm really glad that you're here right now. You've already changed the vibe of the room. If you're not coming off defensive or, oh, that guy is going to be wasting my time or why am I even talking to this person? When you come in that way, you are already not setting yourself up to create a connected environment. There's billions of people on this planet and you would think we would have a minute every single time to make the connection with someone, but we don't. We have our own lives, our own timing, our own issues, our own work, our own jobs, our own things that we have to deal with that make us very busy. So we don't always have a chance to have a conversation with someone. But if you treat every conversation as a gift and appreciate the opportunity, you're already setting yourself up to be likable in that moment. And that person is going to be appreciative that you're there back. It's almost like a mirrored reaction. The I is know the identity you need to be. Brent, in this particular case, you are the question asker. I am the question answerer. I'm, I'm providing the information on the questions you give. And that's the, where this conversation is going to go. And that might swing back and forth in a non-podcast interview, in a regular conversation. But knowing the role that you have on how you're actually going to be able to help that person and what identity you need to play in the beginning is very key. And C and E, I kind of pair together. C is your charisma and E is your energy. Charisma is you need to unleash part of what makes you unique, the superpower you have. One of my superpowers is I'm, I am highly energetic, which is actually part of the energy, but I'm also very focused on connecting and genuinely appreciative in every moment I'm in. And I want to make sure that that is unleashed every time I'm out there. And the E is, again, energy. You have to lift the energy to make a connection with somebody. Because Brent, nobody wants to connect with a dud. We want to connect with someone with a pulse, right? So think about it. When you meet someone, when you have a conversation, you want it to gel. If you think about connecting your voice right in the beginning, going into it, and you embrace all of that, that's just a starting point. But that's one way to make sure that the conversation at least starts in a way that makes you feel comfortable with an increased likelihood that you're going to connect. Now, let's say you have somebody that um, <clears throat> some people are more apt to having these conversations. It's easier for them. You know, I've met, um, as you have, I'm sure, uh, there's a couple of people that come to mind that are enormously successful, and there's a reason for that. But you can literally walk into a room with them where they could be hosting a party with two, three hundred other people. And the one guy I'm thinking of specifically, you believe that this party's been hosted just for you, <laughs> you know, like that, <laughs> like that ability to to just yeah. really connect with somebody. Um, for 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 that's not easy for some people to do that. Yeah. Some people I think are naturally good at it, but I think like anything else, it's a skill that can be learned. How, if, if someone's naturally shy, naturally a little bit apprehensive coming into these conversations, how can they use these five steps and do it in a way that doesn't sound fake or phony or contrived? I, I think that is a wonderful way to do it because by the way, yeah, 
sometimes like I can tend to be the life of the party. I happen to be a very extroverted person and I love that environment to connect with other people. It's like literally my candy store. I'm going around and trying and seeing and talking to all these different people because I have a general curiosity of loving and getting to meet with people. There is an energy that happens with it. And yet I also am appreciative to those who are not like me and maybe even more reserved, more quiet. I want to say they don't feel, it's not a matter of feeling uncomfortable. It's to your point is they maybe not as familiar are doing it or it just feels awkward or there's a pressure maybe that they need to do something else in that environment make it clear that what i call parties or connect working environments i don't like the word networking i like connect working we want to connect with our network in that environment it isn't about meeting everybody it's about making actually one good connection in that particular environment and i think if people go in with just that and that connection is going to start with just one good conversation if you learned something from that one conversation with somebody it's getting over that first icebreaker bit. And, and there is something you have to do. You have to jump into a little nerve. We talk about it in Speak Easy. I kind of put it together almost like a drink recipe, if you would, on how you can engage in that first conversation. You know, you have to take that step forward a little bit, get a little bit out of your comfort zone, because guess what? We like people that come forward and take a little forwardness to us. So there is a little give. You can't just sit back and not raise your energy level or not do the things I mentioned in Connected Voice. You have to do it at a little better. You don't have to do it at a professional speaking level or a high energy podcaster like myself. You just have to do it enough that it's going to engage one human being in that particular conversation. And it could just be asking one, tell me about yourself. Who were you here? Where are you from? Little, little things like that will actually get the conversation going and then you can start to roll with it and try as best as you can to be focused on that individual in conferences, trade shows, big rooms, big environments, it can be challenging. These one-on-one -on -one situations, the more you can make it in a one-on-one -on -one focused environment is where you will be most successful. And by the way, if you walk away with one good conversation from that type of event, you're winning. It's a great, you've made one connection. That could be, that. that's good enough. You can't spread yourself too thin in those environments too. Trust me, not everybody that's just becoming the life of the party is necessarily following all of the connect your voice or speak easy roles on making those connections. Keep that in mind too. Now, how is, let's say for particularly on a sales side, let's say you're, you're training a sales team and, you know, they've got to get through the gatekeeper. They've got to get through, through the ultimate buyer, whoever that might be. We're very distracted society. You know, mm -hmm. we're dealing with a lot of different noise. What is, and this is something that I struggle with, is what is the way that you can try to push yourself beyond that noise, but do it in a way that is not, um, not respectful of the fact that sometimes just people need space. They, you know, they need to, they need to yeah. turn the brain off a little bit. Um, a lot of times, yeah, sir. yeah. I was so just going to say a lot. A lot of times, it's about asking the right questions and asking permission to engage. This is where it all really starts. Like, let, let's make it clear: is now a good time to have a conversation? Is a perfectly good time. Listen, I would love to actually explain how I can help you and what what my business can do, but I want to make sure that this works for you. When is a good time to do that? If now, if if now isn't, and. I, do, I want to be respectful of the time that we have, and I don't want to waste it in any other way. What works best for you is a very important thing. Too often when people have been pressured to try and do something and push that knives, push the push the needle forward because there's pressure to sell or, or close in, in an environment like that, that actually doesn't work as much as we think it does. We think that might be a short hit or a quick thing if we push and we end up being too pushy in those situations. When we're trying to establish a connection and a relationship, we're not trying to just make one sale, Brent. We're trying to make a lifelong series of sales with that individual and that connection we're doing, right? We want many sales from that particular client or opportunity. So 
getting on the same page and creating an environment where you can ask the right questions, where you could exchange what I love to call the connection currency. The connection currency is not dollars, yen, or euro. <laughs> the connection currency is help. In any instance, if you clearly communicate to another individual how you can help them and you learn what their problem is and where their area of help and need is, that's where the connection is going to be made. That's where the help is going to be exchanged. It's not about how great my services are, how great my offering, or great my bank, my firm, my this is. No one cares about that. It's understanding and asking the right questions of somebody to learn where they're hurting the most and how you may be able to help them in that particular regard. Make it clear, you may learn what those problems are right now. And today and tomorrow today might not be the right time to help them. That might you might not even be the individual that's the one that's going to be able to help them. But if you connect them to somebody, do make it clear, they're going to remember that. And that will be something that when they're ready for your help, they will. Understanding where their problems are and who to provide them the right currency of help with at that moment is where connections actually really start to exchange and begin to foster that real true churning of learning how to bring those two worlds together. Now, you think in the last, obviously, that the business environment's changed pretty dramatically in the last two and a half years, almost three years now. In some ways, I think it's been incredible. Because you basically have pushed technology utilization forward by the public at large, probably five to 10 years. But something is lost with the one-on-one -on -one stuff for sure. So mm -hmm. what 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 have you, how have you pivoted, I guess, in terms of with your training, with your role as you're working with companies in this environment? And uh, and what do you think is the best way to sort of maximize both of these both of these environments that we're in now, the virtual world and obviously the, the real world? What's, what is that looking like for you? Well, so what's interesting is bef way before the pandemic happened, Brent, um, I was training people virtually without even knowing that that was a thing that we needed to be doing. It, it really had to do with the fact that I would give a lot of in-person uh, workshops and presentations and working with clients, and then we would work remotely. And then I end up, end up coaching certain team members, and this was the most efficient way to do it. This was all before the pandemic. Um, it's really funny. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had Zoom and all the systems set up in like 2017 or something of that nature. And that's how early on um, I was involved with it. So I actually got pretty busy, specifically from a consulting and coaching point of view and the work that I was doing there. Uh, the podcast also helped in that I was doing the podcast via that method. That's actually why it came up that way, because this, just like we're doing via Zoom right now, is how we actually started to record uh, at late 2016. So I'd, without even knowing it, I kind of backed into having an environment that catered really well. But I will tell you today, is that while we got a little dependent and a little too remote in this way, we are starting to come back together. But there are certain things that we learned don't make sense for us to come back together. Yeah, the key thing is to balance the what makes sense to do in person as a team and as a group. And it depends on if you're an organization, like obviously where you're working with others, that can you cannot this this virtual environment does not replace being in person. It never does. It never will. It, the ability to be in the same room, the same energy that is delivered, the ability to shake someone's hand, look someone in the eye, feed off of other reactions. The technology might be able to mimic some of that, but it never will be able to replace it. But keep in mind, it does work well for other types of conversations that you didn't need to be where you were remote or not hop on a plane or save some money and costs on certain, in certain areas that might not require it. But I do believe that you need to have a good balance, probably more in person than the virtual piece. And what a lot of companies are trying to do is figure out which aspect of their business 
needs to be done together and which ones can be done remotely. And I that that is a that's one of the key priorities that we're actually working on. And when you do these things, how to do them better. So I didn't really have to pivot as much. What I've been doing and helping organizations do is adapt better. The biggest thing that has now come back in in multiple spades is how many people are now going to in-person events because they're they've missed it for so many years. Absolutely. And when they go, Brent, they're not exactly sure how to connect their voice or how to actually be in that particular environment because they've been out of practice for a bit. So a little bit of refreshers and reminding about how to best connect work in those environments and speak easy where you can. And that's been a lot of the messaging that I've been giving up of late for those that are making this transition back into this world where we get to, you know, go to re-energize yourself in New York City like you just did a couple of weeks ago or last week. For well, yeah, a number of without seeing so, me, listeners need to know. Brent, yeah. totally didn't come see. <laughs> well, you're up in Westchester, right? Yeah, that's true. but I'm in the I'm in the city a couple of days a week because I too need to connect with some of my clients in person when I'm there. Yeah, yeah, we we got in on Wednesday and and, and left on Friday, but it was it was a great trip for sure. Awesome. So you bring up an interesting point that has been mentioned to me by some other people where they, I, I was very fortunate. Myself, and my team, we were in the office the entire time through all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, you know, obviously the traffic that we had in our office dropped dramatically, but we still had a few people that would that would kind of make their way in here. And it's Arizona. We benefited by being here as well. But I've heard from a number of different people I've spoken with that are now getting back out into the world as they have for the last you know, four or six months or so after being essentially at home for a year and a half. They're having some challenges adapting to that, at least mm-hmm. initially. So what advice would you give to people? That um, you know, got very comfortable maybe, you know, maybe taking a Zoom meeting in their pajamas or something like that. But now they're being asked to go out and perform and deal with people one on one live and not virtual. What's the number one thing you you would tell that person? So what's really ironic is that I used to give this presentation that was called Thrive Virtually. And I actually talked about the fact that it was still important to split your office and work things and to do certain things like get dressed for work or go get, go shower or, you know, if you're going to go work out, go work out, but put yourself in an environment where you can be as professional as you can be when you're here. Uh, because we didn't know right away when, how long we'd be remote or what the world would be like or any of that stuff, right? It was, it was still a mystery. Looking at it now, I think there's a good message in all this, right? If we haven't gotten used to be, get, we should be getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Out of all the things that happened in the pandemic, that that if we found comfort in just sitting back and relaxing and not having to get dressed to work, I think that's a little bit on on our side to say, listen, we we could lift up yeah. the game. I I will tell you that I do know that the hardest thing people had to adapt to is that they got exhausted from commuting because you know, like in in the tri-state area around New York over here, you have to take public transportation in and get up earlier and wait on the train and then take a subway or go whatever it is to get to your office. And, and you used to sleep in a little bit later, maybe get a work in out and walk to your desk. And you're like, I, I hated having to deal with that commute into my schedule. All that being said, I always used to say, if you do this, if you made your life in a way that enabled you to get ready to recharge and prepare for it, like balance your sleep a little bit more, get into a professional mode when you need to and recognize that any moment, anything could change. We have to adapt. Great connectors know how to ask the right questions and adapt to their environments really quickly. That it's by by nature of understanding and reading other people. Well, I think you also have to read the environment that you're in. 
So look at yourself and have the conversation with yourself. How do I nest? How can I be my best? What time of day did I learn I was actually best from working at home? And how can I make that into my work schedule? You know what? Turned out I was really good in the late afternoon. Maybe I should make more of those times in my in-person meetings. Or I need to work out and do my stuff in the morning and then get right into work right afterwards. Whatever your schedule is, there are lessons that you could look at yourself. So I say this, have a conversation with yourself and connect with how you can be best from these lessons that you've learned. That would be the adaptation I would ask myself to adjust back to the workplace. Sure. Now, now what, what do you think is is the biggest mistake that people are making as as they're trying to uh, connect with new people or or simply get their message out there? What's what's the thing that you continually see again and again and again that people are doing that they need to just stop, you know, stop doing this? So uh, it's a real simple balance between the two. And I'll just put in on this one lesson. You do not want to be talking and telling. You want to be asking and listening. I'll state that again for your listeners. You do not start off your conversations by talking and telling everyone everything. You should be asking and listening. So so often, and specifically salespeople, Brent, they are so excited to talk about how great they are, how awesome their firm is, and tell everyone about them. Let me tell you what I'm doing, what's going on with me, what's going on with me, 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 my, 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 our, 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 we, 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 all our firm, right? That's what's going on. When you're talking and telling, bottom line is it's like, it's like going on a date with someone and all they can do is start talking about themselves and they just can't stop. That's what it feels like, right? That's what it feels like to you when you're listening. Like, who cares? First of all, nobody. Two, the only person who cares actually is you because you're so excited to talk to people about it. But let's flip the script and let's say you now get out there and what salespeople fail to do is just initially start asking questions and listening to the answers, asking people where their pain points are, what's going on in their world. How, are, how is the economy and the change in the environment dealing with there? Where, where are they seeing the area that they need the most help? Nothing to do with yourself. And I think that interestingly, the getting, you know, when people got to be in front of other people again, and they would ask them, what's going on with you? They'd be so eager to just say, oh, let me tell you what's going on with me. Try to shift the conversation to focus on the people that you're connecting with. You're not going to connect in this talking, telling method. You're going to connect in this asking and listening. And another way of being to remember this, asking and listening is a word that's called curious. Be curious and embrace curiosity in every one of your conversations that you have with people. You will That is the number one mistake that people fail to dive into first. And they're so eager to talk and tell. So making sure the priorities are right to ask and listen first rather than talk and tell. Now, when you're doing training, I've, I've about halfway through this book now, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Insight, The Surprising Truth About How Others See Us, How We See Ourselves, and yeah. Why the Answer Matters More Than We Think. Have you read this book? He, I've had the guest, I've had the author on the show. So yes. uh, so far, really interesting. And, and for those that are listening that, that aren't familiar with the book, we have this idea of what we are putting out there to the world. And in many cases, that does not align with what is actually being put out there in the world. And the disconnect is either, it's probably... You know, there's disconnect for everybody at some level, but it's either very small, which means you have a lot of self-awareness, or it is massive, where you have no self-awareness. What do you think is the level of disconnect? I'm, I'm taking you a slightly different area, but just because you're working with people that are out there trying to tell a story, they're trying to connect with people. How big do you think that disconnect is in real life? It's bigger than everybody thinks it is. And I yeah. used to do this example. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the real stats. So. 90% of the time, Brent, 
there's a level of listening that we have, which is a coaching lesson that we learned this about the different listening levels. Listening level one, we are in 98% of the time. That means that when we hear something or we feel something or we are engaging in a conversation, we'll relate it back to ourselves. 98% of the time we make it about us, me, and me talking to you right now. Now, there's a reason for this. Uh, a long time ago when we had to listen to something, we had to know, was this thing going to eat us or was it our dinner? Right? <laughs> I mean, there was a little consciousness to be aware of what was going on around us and a general fear. Is it going to affect us directly? Okay. A little bit of protection later, and maybe we don't have to worry about what's served on our plate. But 98% of the time we're focused on, we take something. And when I say something to someone, they're thinking how it can relate to them. Whereas we're going to connect most in what's called listening level two, which is focused listening. And that is when we do not make it about ourselves. And we only we do this less than 2% of the time. Less than 2% of the time when we hear something, we then only focus on the person that's there. Like you're doing right now in this, this lesson, you're asking questions just about me. You're not making it about you. You're not talking about my examples. You're not doing that. You're doing focused listening on what Lou Diamond has to offer your listeners in this program, which is why podcasting is a great tool, by the way, to practice these levels of listening. And by the way, if any of your listeners questioned whether 98% of the time when they hear something, they make it about themselves, they say, you know what? Hey, gee, I don't think I do it 98% of the time. Do I do it that much? Well, if you did that, you proved my point. We will spin things back every single time to make it about ourselves. Even asking ourselves, do I do it this way? We'd be doing that. So it's that high. So when it comes to how we have a good perception of ourselves and that self-awareness, it's not as much about self-awareness as it is about the level of listening we engage with in that moment. It's a hard work to get out of that listening level one when we're focused on ourselves, to focus on another person and just be asking and listening. So- it's work. It takes practice. It takes a lot of drilling and going through to shift that learned mindset for all, all these years of what we had to lear learn about. So keep in mind, it's done more often than not. Everyone makes the mistake, including people like myself who are coached on focus to do this all the time. So shifting and making that, that difference to focus on somebody else, everybody's doing it, but be the difference maker and work on focusing on the person you're having the conversation with. How do you teach that though? Well, there's lots of drills. We do a lot of drills in, in workshops and ways that we go about doing it. And we do little buzzwords. You remember that game, uh, Taboo? You ever play that game, Taboo? Fun little oh, game. Man, it's ringing a bell. Uh, okay, so it, it was like tape. a good couples game. I'll explain it, but it was wonderful. And we do this drill and I'll explain what it is. So Taboo used to, there, there would be a set of words. So the clue would be something like podcast, right? Let's use that as a word, right? But you couldn't use the word microphone or Spotify or headphones or interview. You couldn't use those words. And the words that you couldn't use would be listed on this piece of paper. Yeah. And if you were on my team, my opponent would be looking over my shoulder to make sure that I wouldn't use any of those buzzwords. So if I use one of those buzzwords, they actually had a taboo buzzer and they would buzz that taboo buzzer. So we would do these, these listening drills where we would have somebody try to pitch a certain story or tell a story or try and get information from somebody in a way and only do it in that listening level too. And anytime you heard certain words like me, my, I, whatever, somebody would hit the buzzer. And by the way, we give out a lot of those buzzers in some of these fun workshops and it is exciting to watch the room just keep going eh, 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 and buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> and how hard, how difficult it is to get out of me speak, which is what that is, 
and get into the you speak and focus on you and that focus level listening. So that's one way to do it, but that, that's a little gimmicky. The other way to do it is actually to practice writing down a list of questions that you want to ask that person before you have a conversation and then engage in that and actually say, is it okay if I run through a series of questions so I can learn more about you in that bit and practice that? And if you actually write them down first, eventually it becomes rote and you start to get familiar with it. But knowing that you're going to make this about them and not engage in talking about yourself or pitching your own services or showing all the great clients you've worked for or telling everybody all the success stories that you've had, which is secondary. You can't engage in that level of conversation until you've asked permission and it gotten it accepted to do so. Is it okay if I tell you about a story about a client that where we've won some business? I would love to hear that. Great. Then you're okay. But you would have had to go through a whole list of questions beforehand. Where's the biggest pain points in your marketing organization? What's your financial planning situation look like for the next five years? Where, where are you struggling? What is, you know, you ask questions all the time. By the way, I love working with people who are financial planners and 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 tax folks and you know accountants and lawyers because they need all that information before they can gauge any information. It's a good practice for salespeople to be doing too. Do you think that it's more, um, <clears throat> I read this several years ago, I, be I believe the book, I'm going off memory, was called Story Selling. Does that ring a bell at all? Mm -hmm. And I think it was it was typical 80, 20, 90, 10 rule where if, if you're yeah. doing more than 10 or 20% of the talking, you're, you've are you already screwed up. You know what I mean? But have you found that um, for people, for someone that's going out there and particularly if you're selling something that's relatively technical, is it beneficial if you want to sort of build that connection with people to be able to tie it into some sort of a universal story or, or not, not even just a client experience that maybe someone had or a story that you personally have, but weave it into a tale to, to help engage people? Is that so something the, that's... Or, yeah, yeah. So the answer to this question uh, is the universal. It depends. And it depends on the individual you're, you're speaking about if ask them permission in, in the way I'm about to do it right now, after you've asked certain questions, you can understand certain circumstances. And let's say you learned about a certain client. Let, let's say you know someone that has a very similar situation to what this particular person you're trying to sell to has. It could be they had a same technical problem, whatever it is. And your natural inclination is after you learn all of this is to say, let me tell you about what we did for this particular client. What I would actually do is do it in a story form where you basically say, is it okay if I share with you a quick story about a problem where we helped somebody else and what their problem was? I would love to hear it. You ask that permission and then you can go by. Right. I state that because you'd be amazed at how many people will forget to ask permission before doing so. And it sounds weird, but by doing that asking permission and then incorporating story, I love hearing stories and make sure it's relevant. I think you should practice those stories if you're a really a frequent salesperson and know them pretty well, or if you know them personally, don't go into so much detail. Leave them at a high level so that the key point of what that story is and the problem is very similar to whatever problem they have. I'm a fan of storytelling. I think, though, it has to be used in certain circumstances. And I think it also isn't – don't make it so that you feel that you should show your knowledge. It isn't about grandiosing yourself about your knowledge of it. I think it's important when it's very relevant and you're helping to connect – a point that they don't understand where you could add value. Otherwise, you're just trying to show off a little bit by telling a story just for the sake of doing so. So, so you're in this podcast, obviously meeting me, doing it for a long time. What do you have, eight, 900 episodes, something like that? 
something like that. Yeah. So, and obviously, so we're going to kudos to you for that. And then we'll, we'll say that you're at the top of the game with that, but are there any other people? Because I just think this is such a cool medium, you know, and, and mm -hmm. Eric and I have now been doing this for like a year and I've absolutely loved it. Who else besides yourself do you think is really doing it right? Where when you listen to this person behind the microphone, you're blown away. There's many. Uh, I'm going to give a few just off the top of my head because I have not only recognized that they're doing it right, but they're let's understand why they're doing it. I wrote, I created my podcast because it was a marketing engine for my business. And without shame or, or, or hiding any of this information, I'm letting you know that it has been a huge contributor to my business. It's also spawned off other programs and other revenue sources that I never would have ever imagined podcasts could ever deliver. When I say I respect those that are doing it well, I think of those that have taken the platform and utilize podcasting to grow their business or to grow their brand or to grow their world in a way that's made it instrumental to part of it. Um, I just got off right before I interviewed with you with uh, Jeff Gibbard, who runs the Shareable podcast. He He's amazing at it. He deals with uh, marketing and, 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 and shareable social media aspects of his business, and he utilizes his platform tremendously. He's been at the game for a while. He's also a phenomenal interviewer, and uh, he's also... Um, an ADHD person, and he knows that the podcast is helping to fulfill a lot of his curiosity and his ADHD on things he wants to know and decode. That's something that he's is underneath his skin. He's excellent. Uh, Doug Sandler, who does the Nice Guys in Business podcast, we started. He started before I did, and there are like fourteen hundred episodes of that program. And uh, great job of really understanding uh, customers who I, I'll say this funny that they they basically he, he's become almost like a how to do customer service better. And, and I don't think that's what the intent of the show initially was, but it's certainly with some of the guests that they have, he's really good at helping to figure out where people have failed and done something wrong and how they learn from that lesson. And I think it always translates well into delivering better service for other people, which is really cool. Um, his, uh, his, his significant other, JJ Flazanes, uh, she has numerous programs that are on about health and wellness uh, that are spectacular and that she's created communities and offsites and training and workshops for her business that are just unbelievable. And and one more one other one. There's there's too many others to name. I could give Tom Singer, who's one of my favorite. He also hosts uh, the the National Speaker Association's podcast called Speakernomics. And nobody talks. He's been doing podcasting forever, and uh, he's so good at it and asks great questions. And, and it's really helped his his speaking business as well. Last person uh, is Kate Donovan. She hosts a program called Fried the Burnout Podcast, hmm. and she suffered from burnout. And she is a coach and she coaches people through burnout and she brings people onto the show that are either going through it or have gone through it. And many of them have, have been or are will become her clients. And the podcast has been a direct growth of her business. And the, it is a wonderful show about a real serious problem that really got double clicked on during the, the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And has and her show is spectacular. One of, one of my favorite interviews I've done in a long time, and she's also a wonderful podcast interviewer and guest. So really cool folks. What I'd like to say, doing podcasting in unique ways that are growing their business and their brand in ways that is more than just getting listeners and, and being really entertaining for the listeners too, which by the way, these shows absolutely are from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. So and final question here for you. So between yourself and your team, how many think how many people you think you've trained? I mean, we're 
It's a big, oh it's a big number, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, when I, you know, that includes like when I go to speak to an audience of 500 people, you know, that are in the audience and companies uh, virtually and whatnot. Um, Tens of it's thousands. In, yeah, I would, I'd thousands. say it's in the six figures, um, you know, spoken in, I've spoken to thousands of audience and thousands of presentations. So uh, yeah, it's in, it's in the the six figure number for certain. And, it, and I could even translate it as to those that have purchased my, my first book, Master the Art of Connecting and those that are buying speakeasy, shameless plug here. When's That's it coming out, by the way? Here. When's your book coming? It already it came out, oh, it's uh, out. September okay. 27th. Yeah, you can get it now oh. at speakeasybook.com. Okay. Or you can go to thriveloud.com or anywhere on social media. You can follow me at Thrive Loud, but speakeasybook.com and grab yourself a copy in any format, print, digital, or audio, and more and more people are buying it. So counting that message, yeah, it's 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 in that range. So through all of that, can do you want to share just what has been an amazing success story for somebody that has completely turned themselves around? or radically enhance their ability to connect and communicate with people. Yeah, I want to there's a she's one of my favorite people. She's a she's an incredible coach and client who I have worked with one on one. And I will leave her name out of it, but she is a she's a coach that works inside of companies uh, where she goes in and works with those organizations and has seen she used to write a number on the wall of her office that she was aiming to hit and not and she had never hit that number and we started working with her in trying to deploy a lot of the ways that we think about her running her business the way that she can you know better connect with her clients or better market herself and, and message her services and manage her services thereafter and stay connected afterwards um not only did she blow by that number in the first year of working with her but she's consistently passed that number times a multiple since and to watch her success and joy over even just the last two years and now even reshape her business so that it accommodates more with her life. That's my favorite success is that her goal for next year is to really spend more time with family and minimize the number of days that she's working and still continue to see the revenue she's got. The biggest thing is just to see the smile on her face when when she called me up and said, I just want another piece of business. And I'm not exactly sure how, but it, a lot of it had to do is that she's totally embraced the way you need to be when you speak easy. And that's that's one of many, but that's one that just personally touches me because to see her her success and passion and helping others is just awesome to me because you know, you you've done this, you've helped others. And when I you see financial planners do the same thing or people who have their own practices, I, I I'm always in awe because that takes a long time to grow that type of business well. So when you see people do it, do it successfully and enjoy it and are thriving. It brings a smile to my face. So I enjoy that. Absolutely. Well, Lou, we talked a little bit about uh, mentioning your book and obviously other ways that people can can find you, but let's just reiterate all that for, yeah. for any, anybody who wants to reach you, how they do it, what can you do for them? So you can find me at Thrive Loud. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-L-O-U-D.com. That's where you can find everything. And by the way, in social media as well, at Thrive Loud, we're very big in LinkedIn and Instagram where we feature a lot of people on the Thrive Loud podcast. And that is where we have you know, people that are thriving in their lives, their businesses and their passions. Spoiler alert, eventually the host of this show is getting on the show. He's been so busy. We've had a reschedule. You know, who knows when we'll get Brent on, but Brent is thriving. <laughs> so we'll, he'll be a future guest. He'll get a chance to hear that too. And obviously that's where you can also pick up a copy of uh, the Speakeasy book or go to speakeasybook.com and it'll direct you there. Awesome. Lou, thank you so much. I know it's a little later. It's uh it's early evening in your time back in New York, but uh, really thank you for carving out some time this afternoon to chat with us. I really enjoyed it. It's really sad how dark it gets out here over here. I got to move to Arizona. <laughs> you guys got it right. We're no longer, what do we go? Eventually when we, when we fall spring forward, 
in the spring, we're keeping it there. I think that's what we're doing. Like, and everyone will finally be on the same time because it's real annoying. But yep. uh, yeah, I, it'll, it'll avoid this darkness at this hour for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, I think there's one thing all three of us can agree on is that as far as the time zone, it, it's pizza time. Right? It is. I mean, and, <laughs> and just for the record, you, if you, I assume you follow Eric, the, uh, you know, David Portnoy and his barstool pizza things, right? Have you seen I have his, seen uh, that? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. He's, I have not. What is this? So, so uh, Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, who's literally crushed it like you cannot imagine in all mm. aspects of it, basically, basically combining gambling and sports together and all this fun stuff. He he went out um, sometime during the pandemic and he wanted to try pizza and he basically come up with this. He had this rule for it's called One Bite is the app. Mm -hmm. And it's basically he takes one bite of the pizza. Everybody knows the rules is what he says. And He'll name the place and he's got a certain style of pizza that he likes and he's been giving it a rating and and he gives it a rating and he created this app out of it. By the way, this is where people are going on and other people are giving ratings of pizzas and whatnot. But what was really great about the program was he did it to give promotions for the pizza places, which when he gives a high rating, it goes through the roof. But there were a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who own these pizza shops who were really getting hit during the pandemic. And he was donating money, created a cause to help all of this stuff. So that's cool. On top of all that stuff he was helping like literally these guys who had been in business for like you know three generations who had pizza ovens that were older than you know <laughs> that were made in 1800 uh <laughs> he was coming up with really cool stuff and he's got a certain style of pizza that he likes a lot of the pizza places in, that i happen to agree with this take uh down and what i was going to say is if you want to go eric you got to go to um, john's pizza in the village that's a really really good one if you ever do get to new york city that's an, and that you don't have to go to brooklyn too there's a bunch in brooklyn which are even better but that's a good one all right. Well, I'll keep it on my list for sure. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Brent, of course, we wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much for facilitating this podcast. And our last thank you will go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Brent comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host, co-host, and or guest, 
and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Raymond James or MP Advisors, LLC.